Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, November 22nd. Coming up, the total debt Kansas students have accumulated by not paying for school lunch climbed to more than $23 million last year. Many districts have policies that single out kids when they can't afford to pay. It's written down. It's still threatening. It's still limiting kids' access to meals and putting a lot of fear around access to food, which should just be a basic necessity. A new report shows those policies can hurt families, even if they aren't strictly enforced. Plus, on Thanksgiving, families will have plenty to debate. Politics, football, and pie. It turns out Americans also have strong opinions on whether to enjoy pumpkin or sweet potato pie on Thanksgiving. Potato pie. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Sweet potato pie, because I'm looking for that sweetness. We'll look at the cultural and historical reasons Americans choose one pie or the other. But first, some headlines. The Kansas Supreme Court now says the October attack on its information system was conducted by foreign cyber criminals. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports the hackers threatened to post stolen data on the dark web if their demands weren't met. An initial review of the hack found the stolen data includes Kansas Supreme Court administrative files and some court case records that may be confidential. The court's justices said in a statement that cybersecurity experts are working to determine the full extent of what was stolen and will notify Kansans who are affected. The attack led to the court shutting down its statewide information systems and its document e-filing system. The court expects the system won't return to normal operation for several weeks. The Missouri Supreme Court declined on Monday to take up an appeal of a lower court decision that rewrote summaries of ballot measures that would repeal the state's abortion ban. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft had appealed the rewrites because they were more favorable to abortion rights supporters. Mallory Schwarz of Abortion Action Missouri says she's pleased with the Supreme Court's decision and criticized Ashcroft for prompting a time-consuming legal fight. The Missouri Supreme Court has upheld the people's democratic right to a fair initiative petition process. Backers of the ballot items have until May to gather about 170,000 signatures to get the questions on the ballot. Ashcroft did not immediately return a request for comment. We'll be back after this. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. The bill for unpaid school meals in Kansas climbed to more than $23 million last year. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service looks at how districts handle that debt and the push to make sure children don't go hungry at school. It's lunchtime at Earhart Elementary School in Wichita, and first graders are filing through the cafeteria line. I got peaches. You want peaches? Oh, you're doing a sausage? What about you, Adrian? What you don't see is how the kids are paying for their meals. 
whether they qualify for free or reduced price lunches, or if their parents deposit money into school accounts. You also don't see who might have lunch bills piling up. That's because Wichita schools serve regular meals, regardless of a student's debt, says Earhart Lunch Supervisor Rachel Smith. And we can't just deny them a lunch, so they'll automatically get a lunch, and then if they get behind, then we'll just send out a notification to the parents, and the parents will take care of it when they have a good chance. That's not the case everywhere in Kansas, at least not according to rules on the books. A recent report by Kansas Appleseed looked at policies across the state to see how schools treat children who have meal debt. And in many districts, kids can be punished if their parents don't pay the bill. About two-thirds of Kansas districts have policies that say students with overdue accounts get an alternate meal or snack. Some require students to eat their meal in a different room. Others say kids with debt can't participate in after-school activities. Martha Terhar with Kansas Appleseed says punitive policies cause additional stress for students and parents. At least nine districts have policies that say certain levels of debt can even trigger a call to the State Department of Children and Families to report abuse or neglect. A neighboring district could, you know, have the, a great policy, but your district is potentially reporting kids to DCF if they have a crude school meal debt. And that disparity is something that affects kids first before anyone else. DCF officials say they don't track whether or how many abuse reports come from school districts, but few, if any, likely stem from unpaid meal balances. In Phillipsburg, a small district near the Nebraska border, the lunch policy says kids who owe more than $20 have to pay cash for meals or bring a sack lunch from home. If they can't, they pick up a sack lunch from the principal's office. But Phillipsburg Superintendent Mike Gower says that never happens. Kids who want a school lunch always get one. We've never turned anybody away, and we, we never will. He says the policy on the books is strict, but schools don't actually enforce it. I mean, you have to have something that says, hey, pay your bill. And so we just stay after them, and then if they don't pay, then somehow their bill gets magically paid. That payment isn't so magical, though. Schools end up having to cover shortfalls out of their general fund, or they get donations. Kelly Cheney is Director of Child Nutrition Programs for the state. She says statewide training in recent years has focused on eliminating so-called lunch shaming. Working hard not to overtly identify children that don't have money in their account, and they're focusing primarily on those parents and guardians responsible providing the funds. Student lunch debt in Kansas is over $23 million this year, about six times what districts reported in 2019. For two years during the COVID pandemic, federal legislation allowed all students to eat for free. Since then, nine states have passed laws to keep school meals free for everyone. Martha Terhar with Kansas Appleseed says Kansas could use some of its $2 billion surplus to subsidize portions of the lunch program. The group also recommends ending debt collection practices and changing policies that could humiliate students in the cafeteria. One thing that we can do today is make sure the policies are guaranteeing a student is getting the same meal as other kids regardless of their debt or their account balance. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Suzanne Perez in Wichita. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy.
This holiday season, millions of Americans will host Thanksgiving dinner. In many households, one important question is pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Harvest Public Media contributor Chad Davis reports both dishes are similar, but they carry different histories. Photos and memorabilia line the walls of Old Henry Restaurant in suburban St. Louis. It's one of those restaurants with a wall of pictures of local and national celebrities. And longtime customers come to the cafeteria for soul food staples like fish, mac and cheese, and greens. When it comes to Thanksgiving pie, owner Ada Joyce Taylor and her granddaughter Adriana Black have a definite opinion. Potato pie, yeah, definitely, yeah. Sweet potato pie, because I'm looking for that sweetness in a pie. The flaky crust contains a deep orange filling made from boiled and peeled sweet potatoes. In the weeks before Thanksgiving, executive chef Tracy Stevenson and other bakers are cranking out even more pies. Uh, number of week, I would say that we go through at least 15 to 20 sweet potato pies. During the holiday, I would say 40 to 50. Millions of Americans will choose between sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving dessert. Both are American staples with a starchy custard-like filling. But pumpkin pie tends to be more spice-heavy than sweet, and sweet potato pie is typically sweeter and lighter. The reasons why people choose one over the other often trace back to where the person was raised and their race. Sweet potatoes may have resonated among enslaved people because they're somewhat similar to yams, grown in West Africa, according to soul food historian and James Beard award-winning author Adrian Miller. But he says cooking the natively grown sweet potato in a pie, that's a more European food. So it's really the expertise of these enslaved cooks making someone something unfamiliar to them to please their slaveholders that eventually gets embraced and adopted. It's the same with things like fried chicken, you know, barbecue and all these other things that were not necessarily part of the West African food heritage. Since then, sweet potato pie has become a hallmark of black cuisine and common on dinner tables across the South. But it's pumpkin pie that plays a central role in our portrait of the quintessential Thanksgiving dinner. The pie dates back to the colonial period, where settlers learned how to boil or steam native pumpkins and mash them into a filling. Bruce Craig is an Illinois-based culinary historian. He says a book from 1827 by author and activist Sarah Josepha Hale is largely responsible for the dessert's connection to Thanksgiving. She said pumpkin pie is the American pie from our founding fathers. But he says Hale got it a bit wrong. The pilgrims who came to New England brought this pie with them. They, they didn't. It's not true. <laughs> but, but she said so. So it became the thing. It became the Yankee pie. 36 years later, Hale convinced President Abraham Lincoln to proclaim Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And pumpkin pie remains incredibly popular to this day. At the Blue Owl Bakery in House Springs, Missouri, owner Kim Byerly and an assembly line of bakers will create all kinds of pumpkin pie variations. These are our pumpkin gooey butter cheesecakes. So they've got like a pumpkin spice crust on the bottom and then a pumpkin pie filling with the pumpkin mousse on top and whipped cream. When restaurant bakers like Cindy Watu takes a bite of the pie, it takes her back to her childhood. I'm partial to the spices that are in it. Um, it's not like so sweet. And then um, it, it just reminds me of home, of family. And for many across the country, that's why they stick with pumpkin or sweet potato pie, because of the memories they've made when they've eaten it. For Harvest Public Media, 
I'm Chad Davis. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Chad's story on Thanksgiving pie and Suzanne's story on school lunch debt, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. We're off tomorrow for Thanksgiving, but I'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.